Welcome back to the Life Live Better podcast. We are taking our own advice this week and taking a week away from the podcast studio. We didn't want to leave you hanging without an episode to listen to, so we are going to give you an encore presentation of our most listened to podcast ever. And that episode is called Poisonous Pairings. Just a heads up, it is about unhealthy relationships domestic violence, and all that toxicity. So do take care while listening. We cannot wait to be back with you soon. Take care. Hi, this is Paula. And I'm Joseph, and you're listening to Life Lived Better. Well, hello there. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. There is rain falling from the sky. No, it's fantastic. It's It's wonderful. Yeah, and I don't understand. Like it's flooding everywhere. Like how does how does that happen? I think because it's coming (laughs) so quickly, it doesn't have time to absorb. I know, isn't it odd? You'd think the cracks were big enough for it to fall into. Oh, we had some huge cracks in our yard. This is the perfect kind of rain. It's just, it's been raining since I woke up this morning. We went to a birthday party yesterday and when we came out, it was raining and everybody was standing there at the door and I was like, I'm just going to walk to my car because I'm, I'm going to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. I don't mind if I get wet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yay. People are looking like, what is this? What is mm-hmm. this stuff? I remember <laughs> it from the past. Awesome. Well, what do we have on our agenda to talk about today, Mr. Joseph? So today we're going to be talking about relationships. So we're going to focus mainly on romantic relationships, but mm-hmm. this this information really can apply to all kinds of relationships. Mm-hmm. But I think romantic relationships are probably the easiest to identify with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most people have had one and seems like romantic partnerings like bring out the most vulnerable parts of us Mm -hmm. and sometimes the sickest parts of us (laughs) i always like to look up like just a definition of what is it you know when we have a topic like just what does it mean and what i found about toxic relationships we can boil it all down to like it's poisonous and i think that's very understandable like it's Mm -hmm. poisonous and what's um Uh, interesting at least I think is like if we took something that was poisonous if our kid got into some poison whatever we would never do it again right not take the medicine we'd stop eating the food that was poisonous but for some reason (laughs) we cannot get into our brain sometimes that terminating a toxic relationship is necessary just like stopping ingesting something that's poisonous to us why do we want to hang on what what's that what is that about because i love them (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah that's um i've been there i mean truly truly been there i can't say i haven't but i have yeah (laughs) i think we were there at the same time too me and you yeah 
Yeah, we definitely have been through some some things with relationships. I know. I learned two two really important lessons. And one is like when it comes to like a family member who's toxic, we're not obligated. We don't have to be loyal to a toxic family member. Just because we're related to somebody doesn't mean we have to keep them in our life. And I've decided many, many years ago, if I wouldn't choose a person as a friend, then I don't have to cling to that sick loyalty that I sometimes feel. If something something or someone is harmful to me, it doesn't matter how I know them or why we're connected. They don't have to remain in my life. I don't have to continue to have a relationship with them. Yeah, I agree with that. And I've, I think we've talked about this in previous episodes, like there are people there, there's a family member in my you know, my family that I've had to distance myself from. And it's hard for whatever reason when it's family, but it's necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's absolutely necessary. And, and you do have to take the steps to make sure that you're surrounded by good, healthy, positive people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think I wonder with family sometimes, you know, part of the reason it's hard, maybe because your other family members, you know, they mm. maybe pressure a little bit like, why can't you, you know, that that's your cousin, you know, or that, mm-hmm. you know, blood is thicker than water and all those other things that we hear, I sometimes wonder if the, just the pressure from the other family members or just that um, dysfunctional idea of loyalty, like, you know, you're always there for your family, no matter what, you know, mm-hmm. you can fight within your own family, but nobody can fight your family, you'll take up for them. And just a lot of the things that we've heard. And, you know, hey, I've got family members that are incredible. And I, I would you know, I would die for them or fight to the death or whatever. But I just had to learn that when someone is hurting me, even if they're related, it's healthy and it's okay to distance myself. Absolutely. I think one of the hardest parts with that too, like you said, with with family is sometimes you have to continue to put out there that this is something, this is a choice that you've made. And, and you do, like I've experienced it personally, pressure from my family or just them not understanding why I have this kind of line in the sand. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've explained it. Um, I don't continue to explain it. You know, at this point, it's like everybody's heard it. Everybody understands. And if they don't respect it, then uh, it's, it's something that I'm dealing with still to this day. Yeah, I, I I experienced some, you know, like other family members, like making excuses Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't want people to think I'm cold and horrible. I mean, it was just something I had to do and it was beneficial for me. Yeah, I, I had to disengage. It was it was hurting me really badly. And it was like I got to where all I thought about was the, the situation, the relationship. And it just it was bad. And so yeah. I had to break away now. Yeah. Now the romantic relationships, <laughs> not always as, as easy. I know I've had a few in my life that I hung on to, maybe, um, clung to, mm-hmm. maybe drug along the ankle. Oh, don't leave me Yeah, stay here for much longer. And in my process of growing, I realized what I had to do was 
really get down to discovering the reason why did I need to cling? Why, why was it, you know, a visit abandonment, fear of failing, of being alone, mm-hmm. caring what other people might think if I'm not in this, if I am in this, you know, was it about being alone? Was it about wanting to fix a broken person? You know, that was the work I needed to do. It just seemed like until I could get down to that part, I stayed in the cycle. And I recognize sometimes in other people that it isn't always the same relationship. It can be like getting out of one, but getting right back into another, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of miserable relationship until you figure all those things out. It's really hard to break free of it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I feel like a lot of times I have this conversation with people that, and, and something that I've lived myself, but getting to a point where you recognize that there are these problems and there's this toxicity in a relationship. So you do end it, but then you don't work on the things and you end up with someone else. And, you know, there are certain things that only come up when you're in a relationship. Like when you're single, you don't worry about certain things. But when you're in a relationship, you have, you know, someone else to consider and other things to take into consideration. And so, you know, they're like relationship issues that you either address in this relationship or the next one or the Mm -hmm. next one. Mm -hmm. But at some point, you know, they get addressed or you end up in just a long-term toxic relationship or single. Yep, absolutely. One of my very, my heroes, I think in our profession, prolific writer uh, and speaker, John Bradshaw wrote a lot about family, but I loved hearing him talk about relationships. Um, he like admittedly had a, you know, a, a series of bad ones that he would probably have described as like addictive or, uh, you know, a relationships very dysfunctional. And he said he could walk into a room and there would be like a hundred people there. And the most dysfunctional one that was going to bring out all of his toxicity is the one he literally was attracted to, mm-hmm. you know, not like you, he went out and saw it like, Oh, I'm looking for the sick person here you know form a line to the right like literally when he looked at him it was just like all the feelings you know mm-hmm. just woo, i gotta have them gotta have them just like need to fill a void it's almost like a the inner workings of a watch or a clock you know it's like we need that one piece to work that mm-hmm. we need to get that little cog to stick into the wheel you know to make it turn i agree with that i've always always said you know, sickness attracts sickness mm-hmm. and healthy people can see a sick person and keep their distance. But when you're sick and you're in it, like you're attracted to their sick people. Yeah. I think that is an important thing for people to realize. Two sick people are in the relationship. You are not going to frequently find a healthy person and a dysfunctional person together. Right. It is both people that need to do the work and or need to look at themselves. And I know in relationships of the past, I often could uh, be convinced by someone else that I was the sick one, mm-hmm. that I was the broken one that needed fixing, or I could convince myself that they were the sick one, the broken one that needed fixing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when a healthy person wouldn't stay, wouldn't probably wouldn't get into it to begin with, but they certainly wouldn't put up with the stuff that happens, the toxic stuff that happens in a yeah. partner. One of the things I learned in a very unhealthy relationship that I was in, like a physically violent situation happened. And I learned in that situation, like after that happened, I stayed for a while longer. And, you know, 
prior to that, I would tell people, you know, if you're ever in a physical situation or relationship, like you get out, you walk away, you, you know, you don't look back. And so the lesson for me was that you don't know what mm -hmm. you'll do in that situation uh, until you are in it. Hopefully people don't have to be in it, but you know, it was a big lesson and something that I, I always think that from the craziness and from the toxic relationships, like sometimes we learn the most about ourselves mm -hmm. and, um, trying to learn not to continue to repeat those patterns and those cycles is really, really important. But also, you know, understanding that there there are good lessons that come from the bad relationships. Oh, yeah. Especially when you're out of them and much healthier and you can turn around and look back without that, oh, that longing, you know, whenever you can, when I can see the sickness, when I can see and I'm not still romanticizing that person or that relationship mm -hmm. it's amazing what i can see i think of these as like poisonous pairings poisonous partnerships you know it's just oh god why couldn't i see it Ugh, everyone mm -hmm. could see it well, and i like that i like the way you put that like with the poison because that's that's a great way to to look at it that it is it is poison to our souls poison to our you know our lives our livelihood our happiness all of the things uh, poisonous partnerships copyright life lived better podcast <laughs> <laughs> well you found some really good information from dr carla marie manley who wrote uh, the book joy from fear yeah so she listed some basically toxic mm -hmm. i guess you could call them traits or signs of a toxic relationship so mm -hmm. we have a few here that we can kind of go yeah. through and then i think um after that we may end up making this a part two for the healthy relationship side of things like tips for being a healthy relationship yeah i really like her list it's pretty thorough and i also like that she pointed out that these are red flags but they're not always easy to see sometimes mm. they're pretty subtle mm -hmm. yeah and you know even when we see red flags that doesn't mean that we do anything about it <laughs> <laughs> that is true that is true i can explain away a red flag in a heartbeat right i can I change live. that we can tweak that down the road we can yes. you know we can make some adjustments it won't yeah i know have you ever uh, looked back and like on the first date there was a red flag yeah <laughs> four years later you're like hmm i can remember red flags prior to even going on a on a date with oh. someone that i knew through someone else and oh yeah what i was thinking no idea mm -hmm. no yeah. idea you know filling a void this person will do yeah. pop yep, them exactly. right in that void yeah i'm lonely i need yeah. somebody mm -hmm. yeah. loneliness is hard hard thing very it hard is. thing it is but that is not a reason to get into a relationship i no, will tell you that real get a dog <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, and I always say like there's a difference between, you know, being lonely and being alone mm -hmm. and think you have to learn to be alone in order to be healthy, in mm -hmm. order to be a well-adjusted, like, you know, well-rounded person is that you have to know how to be in your own space and yeah. just be quiet with yourself and be in your own thoughts. As mm -hmm. scary as that sounds and can be getting to a place where you're just comfortable in your own headspace, mm -hmm. huge, huge. Yeah. 
completely. I, I remember learning it. I remember going through that process of for the first time. Funny, I wanted to be out of the house so bad, you know, growing up, like, can't wait till I have my own place. But then when I got it, I was like, what do you do with your time? Mm -hmm. You know, I filled my time with work for a long time until I was like, oh, it's okay to be here just on your own, enjoying it. And now I love a little alone time. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, so nice. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. Well, her list, um, pretty good one. The very first thing she has on here. So we're looking at signs of a toxic relationship. The first one is lack of support. When you're in a relationship where there's not like a mutual desire for success for both of you, then that's pretty toxic. She even mm -hmm. talks about how sometimes when someone achieves in a toxic relationship, the partner might kind of see that as a, like a competition, you know, mm -hmm. like can't be, you know, be, encourage you and, and be proud of you for that promotion that you got rather I'm jealous, you know? And so I'm not supportive of you. I'm, I don't care about what you want. I don't care about your accomplishments. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, don't celebrate those for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that never feels good. Mm -mm. You ever have any experiences like that? I am positive that I have. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in relationships and my unhealthy relationships doing what I could to help the other person succeed and build careers and do things. And I remember feeling guilty anytime I would have a success or something positive, a promotion or something like that would happen. I remember feeling like I can't say this, I can't share this because my partner's going to be jealous or uncomfortable or, you know, not supportive in the way that you want to be supported. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Not a great feeling. No, not at all. I remember someone telling me that I was friends with, they wanted to uh, work in the field that we work in, wanted to work in the counseling industry and knew that I had been in the field a long time and had a lot of connections and relationships. And so I connected them with a number of people. And from that, uh, they couldn't get it. They didn't get a job. And so, you know, for me, like I can connect you with people, but I can't get you a job. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, you've got to kind of make the interview and do well. And, you know, and I remember that um, because I, I do see this person as very toxic now. They said, you know, um, I thought you were like something special in this industry, but none of your uh, connections helped me in, in any way. You, you really you're you're not as much as I kind of thought you were before. Wow. I think that goes back to those like narcissistic tendencies where, you know, everything is everyone else's fault and I bear no responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've uh, stopped giving um, those kinds of connections for the most part because I've been burned a few times where I was the one that said, oh, this person is like the bomb diggity and they will be the best ever. And, and then something poor, really bad has happened. Mm -hmm. And I always felt responsible for that. I, I recognize that's the person's responsibility. But if I give a, re a recommendation, I just don't make recommendations as highly as I used to. Yeah, understandably. The next one on our list is toxic communication. Basically, toxic communication is just the inability to be kind and to be respectful of 
your partner. Conversations are filled with sarcasm. You know, they're fueled with contempt. Might catch yourself making snide remarks or repeating things back snarky or sarcastically, maybe even like avoiding their calls. I've heard people do that. I've heard people, and it's so disrespectful, I think, when you're talking to other people about your partner and you're dogging them, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, that's yeah. so disrespectful in front of them or behind their back. I've heard people say, and my husband said, and you know, and they like do it in a, like a voice, you know, mm -hmm. like, it's like, oh gosh, like, do you know? when you talk bad about the person you're in a relationship with how how bad that comes off you know mm -hmm. how unhealthy and negative that comes off yeah mm. I think that's definitely a sign that there's something wrong when you're talking trash about your loved one to yeah. you know yeah. it's one thing to vent to a friend but when you're kind of venting to everyone or you know just being disrespectful in general that's that's not a good thing in our resourced information a part of the description for toxic communication gave a link to a paper on predictors of divorce and this kind of communication and this kind of you know talking bad about the person you're in a relationship is one of the big predictors of divorce contempt is it, it it's powerful absolutely so the next one's envy or jealousy and Envy and jealousy are normal human emotions. We're all going to feel a little bit of it from time to time. But whenever it is such an issue that you can't even think positively about your partner, success, you can't see them interacting with someone without some suspicion, without mistrust, then your relationship will start to erode. I think about this like partners who have to see their partner's telephones. I don't know the ins and outs or what is normal or what's abnormal, but that seems like, you know, if you have to look, grab your partner's phone and look at it, like when they leave the room just to see who they've been communicating with, that's kind of, to me, like a red flag of like, yeah. you just don't trust. I mean, like, wow, what, what's up with that, you know? Yeah, that's a pretty big sign of not trusting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somebody told me years ago, like, when you look for something, you'll always find something. Mm -hmm. So, Absolutely. I mean, you'll make something out of nothing when you're looking for information. If you're feeling a trust issue and you decide that you want to go on that on that hunt and that and, and investigate, then, you know, nine times out of ten, you're going to find something. And it could be completely innocent. But because mm -hmm. you've decided in your head that something's going on, you know, it turns into something. It's funny. We... Um... <laughs> We want to be with someone attractive, but we don't want anyone else to find them attractive, <laughs> you know, it's like, or we don't want them to find other people attractive, but we want them to find us attractive. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very funny. That's just um, past experience sometimes informs our jealousy, but that's unfair because mm -hmm. a past person is a past person. It's not the same person and it's right. not fair to bring that mistrust of others into a relationship with someone new who hasn't proven to you that they can't be trusted. Yeah, it's yeah. not fair, but it's something we all do. I yeah. mean, we yeah. all do it and transference is real. And when you realize that's happened, go back and clean it up as quickly as possible and just say, listen, I had this response based on something that happened 
you know, in another relationship and that wasn't fair to you. And I also think sometimes it's important to kind of run through a, you know, maybe next time, instead of saying it this way, you could say it this way and it would be less triggering. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's helpful just when you get into kind of learning how to communicate a little bit more effectively in your relationship. Yeah, that's that I feel win because statement that we have Mm -hmm. talked about on here before that when you talk about you rather than talking about the person, you know, like your phone, your texts, you know, it's like, I, I feel this way because of something that you didn't have any part in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Absolutely. And that is so important. I was just going to say, I had someone not too long ago tell me that if they went on a date with someone who kept their phone upside down, that that was the end, that they wouldn't date them any further. And I just thought, you know, I keep my phone down typically just out of like respect. So I'm not distracted when I'm with someone. Um, So to me, that was kind of wild. No, but that's that's like (laughs) they must be young and have a long time Mm -hmm. to go through a lot of people because (laughs) they sure are putting some some big rules. Yeah. And some of the people that overheard that conversation were like, that's kind of nuts to just rule someone out automatically. One of the individuals even said, like, I do that out of respect. You know, my phone has a finger holder on one side for one thing. So it's typically face down when I lay it down. Mm -hmm. Um, And just again, out of just kind of respect and not being distracted when I'm with someone trying to be present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or what about privacy? I mean, yeah. your mom has the right to text you a private text without someone seeing it. Right. But that's that's a perfect example of carrying old things into new relationships because that's where that came from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That it's I know it's not easy. It really isn't. But one of the things I'm 100% sure of is that every relationship I've ever been in, the constant is me. You know, I'm mm-hmm. the only common denominator of every relationship I've ever been in. So if I get jealous that quickly, I need to work on me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I need to figure out what is causing that jealousy. And if it's past experience, I need to get that healed. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. And you're not going to find a healthy partnering until you can get some of those under control. Right. And that's another one of those things that I think just comes up when you're in a relationship too. Like it's not something you're working on individually a lot of times because you're not experiencing it. So it's not like an, an active issue that you're, you know, you're struggling with. So it's common that these things come up in relationships and that's a good time to address them. If you recognize something in a relationship and that relationship ends, then you should absolutely continue to work on that Mm -hmm. once the relationship is ended. Without a doubt. Sometimes we don't recognize it, you know, until we're in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in the very first time a person comes home late (laughs) or the very first time they're not able to call you, they get lambasted and they've done nothing. You know, they have a mm-hmm. real reason. Your job, you know, at my job, our jobs with the confidentiality element. I mean, it does take a secure person to be in a relationship with us because if someone needs to know every time the phone rings who it was and what mm-hmm. it was about and they can't understand client information is confidential or if you see a client in public and they say hello to you, you may not be able to tell your partner right. who it is or why you know them. They need to be, you know, they, the pr- people in relationship with us need to understand. I, mm-hmm. You can't always explain it all and they just are going to have to trust you. So it takes, yeah. takes a pretty healthy person. Yeah. And things like, you know, I think of, you know, some people can answer the phone during the day 
on their jobs. That's not something you can do as a therapist. When you're in a session, you can't be like, hey, hold on. You gotta take <laughs> Hang this on. call this real is, quick. This is my jealous boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's that's something that kind of leads into the next one, which is controlling behaviors. So feeling like you have to know where the person is all the time, having tracking devices or, you know, I actually had an ex put a keystroke tracker on my computer once. I remember. And that is crazy. Mm. But it's, you know, that's that's like an extreme example of someone who, you know, is is controlling, jealous, very, very insecure, doing their own things in the background that, you know, are leading to their own insecurities, you know, that kind of projection, you know, sometimes when we're doing things, we project it onto the people that we're with. Mm -hmm. So things like that, you know, having read receipts on your text, there's nothing wrong with that. But if a person doesn't have it, like it's not the end of the world, right? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a deal breaker. Um, however, if that's something that makes your partner feel comfortable, I don't think it's that big of a deal to have a read receipt. Uh, Polo and I share like location because it's just and not because we're checking each other's locations or that we're jealous of where the other person is or worried. It's just something that we've done, you know, and it's not a big deal. Right. I don't worry about him not, you know, tracking me and knowing where I am because guess what? I'm not anywhere I shouldn't be. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. And sometimes that's even for a safety issue, mm -hmm. you know, like if somebody goes missing or, you know, I, I listen to enough podcasts as true crime podcasts, you know, somebody goes missing and you have no access to anything. I mean, it takes a long time for law enforcement to get access of, you know, telephone records or location mm -hmm. if it's not turned on or if you have to dial 911 and your location's not turned on and you can't say words. I mean, there's a lot of things that it's not about a toxicity in a relationship to have, you know, mutual sharing of stuff. I mean, Everybody in my family knows my typical passwords for stuff, you know, I always think like they may need that if ever I'm in a situation that warrants it or if if I pass away I mean there's just things that people do need some access but if people insist on access and insist on some of those things and you can't come to a mutual agreement I do know that some of the information we read said that that could be a little bit of a warning sign for uh, possible abuse in the future mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if someone says, I want to know at all times, write it down, tell me where you're going to be. And if, if I, if, if you say you're going to be there and I can't find you there, you're in trouble. Right. That's scary. Yeah. That is That's scary. an issue. And I do know people that have had those kinds of experiences. Well, the next step on our list is resentment, you know, holding grudges and Letting things really build and build and build so much over time that it creates some distance between you and the other person because you're not speaking up, you're not sharing it, you can't, you're not telling them, uh, you know, how you feel about something. Or if you do tell them, they don't respond in a way that you can share it. So resentment just builds over time. And that's, you know, we've had lots of, um, topics that where we talk about a little, a little bit about healthy communication. We have to be able to tell a person when they've hurt us mm -hmm. and feel safe doing that. And when we do that in a healthy relationship, we're not holding on to the resentment because we work it through. Right. And you know what I always say, expectations, 
lead to resentment. So asking for what you need instead of expecting people to just know it, yeah. you know, don't expect people to just know that you've had a bad day and why you've had a bad day, like communicate it. I hear That's so many one. people say that. Though. I mean, really hear people say, well, they should know mm -hmm. if they yeah. love me, they should know why, why should they, they don't, they didn't know you before. It's <laughs> like, this is, you know, like, right. Why should they know? unless you tell them, why should anybody know? That's a, that's, that's a big one. I would say, um, and anytime you have resentments start to build, I mean, they just get bigger and bigger and it's like, it starts this avalanche of, you know, resentments. Once one starts, it's like, they just start to, to pile up, build up, mm -hmm. get out of control. Yeah. And then a year later, you're having an argument about something that happened when you were like more on the third date. Right. Yeah. So the next one um, on our list here is dishonesty, um, making up lies about maybe your whereabouts or who you're meeting up with or, you know, who you're spending your time with just because you don't want the other person to worry or you don't want them to be jealous or get into those kind of controlling situations. But just being just dishonest about silly things, you know, little things and big things, big sign that there's problems. Absolutely. Have you met people like that who like lie about everything? Yes. <laughs> lie even when it doesn't even make sense to lie about it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I was That's... just having this conversation with group the other day that uh, we were talking about trust issues and like when someone cheats and when you have information that someone has, you have actual information that someone has cheated or you just have come across something that's questionable instead of saying, hey, what are you doing? You know, where are you? What do you, you know, presenting the information that you have and saying, explain this, because for whatever reason, when we put people on the spot, a lot of times in those types of situations, their instinct is to lie because they don't know where you're coming yeah. from, what you're talking about, what the background is, and it's not okay to lie. But for whatever reason, I think our instincts sometimes when we feel like put on the spot in those types of scenarios, those types of situations, we, we, we panic. Example, you know, a lady that I used to work with, she was very intimidating. She was my boss and she would ask me questions and I would just like uh, ramble off something, right? That just wasn't true. And it wasn't, you know, like just a total lie, but just, it wasn't, the truth to the question that she was asking. And it could have been something simple about, did you send out this report <laughs> or, mm -hmm. you know, and then I would have to go back and correct it and fix it and apologize. And it was, it was stupid. And so I just learned it's okay to say, I don't know, like, let me get back to you. Or can you give me some context? Like, where is this coming from? Mm -hmm. um, and that applies to, you know, romantic relationships, work relationships, family, you know, all the relationships. Absolutely. And um, patterns of disrespect when someone's chronically late, um, oh, not just once or twice, chronically late, or they forget about places they were supposed to be for you. Oh, I forgot today was your award ceremony for your promotion. Shucks, I wasn't there. When people do things that aren't intentional, often it doesn't bother us. But when people chronically disrespect us in that way. It's something we need to talk about. And then mm -hmm. if we go back to, you know, the ones on our list before, if we aren't comfortable talking about it, we aren't comfortable telling them how it hurt our feelings. There's some, there's some red flags with that. Yeah. Blows my mind that people can't see how being late is disrespectful. Like it's just such a huge disrespect in my opinion. People don't see it as a problem. Yeah. Lots of people. 
Yeah. Like I, what? What's the big yeah. deal? Yeah, I've got a Starbucks in my hand, but you know, <laughs> exactly. this was important. Oh, there was a TikTok apparently. I don't have TikTok, but I read it in an article uh, that someone actually got fired recently because they uh they TikToked something about I can never get to work on time and I tell them it's quote unquote because of the because I have kids, but I always show up with a Starbucks in my hand. Mm -hmm. And someone printed that out and took it to the supervisor and the girl who posted it got fired. Wow. Because she not only was always late, she knew she was, and she was using her kids as an excuse. Mm. Yep. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, I've definitely had my share of clients show up late with Starbucks in hand, yes. and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I just have a Starbucks cup. I just put my coffee in it all in the morning. You know, it's just what I... I just have one that I keep my coffee in. I promise I didn't stop at Starbucks on the way here. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm sometimes uh, guilty of being late. But. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'm sure I'm late occasionally, but I just was raised if you're not early, you're late. And so even when I try to be late, because I have people in my life that are late and I'll from time to time be like, I'm going to be late and just show them how it feels. <laughs> I still end up on Can't time. Yes. <laughs> yes i was raised that way too if you're if you're on time you're late you should be there always early yeah so next up is money um mm. negative financial behavior so you know a big part about being in a especially a romantic relationship is that finances get intertwined and you know some couples choose to put all their finances together and have total access to everything and others keep it separate um Whatever you agree on as a couple is what, you know, what needs to be done. But looking at um, like spending, what you're spending things on, if your partner's, you know, disapproving of what you're spending on, you continue to spend um, and there's not like a, a legitimate reason. It's not just something that you want, you know, that you try to justify away like that can be a toxic trait can become something that, you know, leads to those resentments and leads to issues in the relationship. And to me, like big ticket items are something that, you know, should always be discussed. There's probably like a, a limit of it's under $50 or under $100, like it's okay to make that decision. But if we're talking about something that's $500 or $1,000, that's something that potentially impacts both individuals. So those are things that need to be discussed. So when mm -hmm. you keep secrets financially or when you're not being responsible financially, like those are definite things that become an issue yeah. in a relationship. Especially when you've made an agreement that you're going to, you know, do something you're saving X amount of dollars to work towards buying something going on a vacation. And one of the partners dips into that fund without, you know, that's, that's definitely something I did have a therapist tell me once that all people should have enough like pocket money that they can buy a cup of coffee without being questioned about that. Mm. But definitely, and however you in, intertwine or don't intertwine their finances for you know, lots of de different reasons. And I think whatever you come to an agreement on, absolutely. But I think disrespecting someone else's money or their contribution or making a person, you know, like report to you every penny that they spend, mm -hmm. either of those are pretty, pretty toxic. That kind of goes with that controlling behavior. Yeah. <laughs> and the next on our list is just constant stress. I think this happens in toxic relationships where you're just constantly on the edge, you know, 
where you are walking on eggshells all the time and that it's from stuff going on outside of your relationship and and then the way the relationship functions just constantly having some kind of tension in the relationship and we have talked about it so many times on this podcast and so many of our episode the toll that stress takes on us physically and mentally can be overwhelming and in a toxic relationship we can just get to where mentally physically we just feel miserable yep yep and next up, um, ignoring your needs. So when you're constantly putting your partner's needs above your own, um, that becomes a problem. You know, it's okay to, from time to time to sacrifice maybe something that you need. Um, but when it comes to on a daily, regular basis that, you know, that becomes a big problem. The example that it gives is, you know, your partner wants to take a vacation and your mom's birthday falls during the time of, you know, that vacation. And, you know, you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's okay. Those dates are fine. Sacrificing things that are important to you, you know, in order to satisfy your partner long-term doesn't work well. And people sometimes that are important to you, Mm -hmm. you know, the partner comes before your child your partner comes before your family, your partner comes before, you know, just you have plans with someone, but your partner asks you to do something and you just cancel on mm-hmm. other people. I, I hear people talk about that with their friends, like, oh, well, they're in a relationship. We're not going to see them for the next nine or 10 months. I'm sure yeah. you, you know, you have a life before you get a partner, then, you know, it's exciting to be in a relationship. And sometimes you don't spend as much time, but just um, not having the other stuff in your life because it will impact your romantic relationship. I just think sometimes that's pretty unhealthy. Yeah. And that's literally the next one on the list. You just explained it. It is. Perfectly. It is. Lost relationships. You just stop spending time with the other folks. And that is not healthy for you. It's just not healthy for you to have somebody that occupies all of your time. But like you said, I think it's normal in the beginning when you meet someone to kind of lose touch for a little while. I've always said that. But if you don't come back around at some point and start reconnecting with people, then that's a sign that there's, you know, a problem. Mm -hmm. But just focusing on a healthy balance between your relationship Mm -hmm. and your friends and your family. And I had a friend was all about compartmentalizing. Like she, she had certain friends that, you know, she knew from this place, certain friends from this place, and she didn't believe in intertwining those or bringing those people together. She kept them separate. Was she a different person in each of those places? I wonder. Possibly. It's very possible, but I always thought it was very strange because I, you know, I have certain friends that I think, you know, maybe wouldn't click with other friends, but I wouldn't intentionally just go out of my way to make sure that I don't, you know, ever run into them or, Mm -hmm. you know, invite them to the same party or something. Mm -hmm. I've always said that I feel like I, uh, I, I feel like I was healthy the day I knew that every person I knew from all the different places could be in the same room and I wouldn't be scared. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell that person I did that thing. (laughs) I'm the same person. Yeah. And and I do think that when you're in a relationship where that, when the partner is kind of pressing you to cut those people out, that's a big sign of abuse because sometimes abusers get you in a situation where they isolate you. And then mm-hmm. the physical abuse begins or the, the verbal abuse begins. Yeah. 
and all of this kind of ties right into the next one as well, you know, lack of self-care. So, you know, being in a toxic relationship and putting your, your self-care, your habits, you know, things that are important to you, hobbies and things like that, kind of on the back burner, not taking time to nurture yourself, not taking time time to nurture those things that are important to us, like hobbies or, you know, if you're an artist or you're a creative type, like that's something that has to be nurtured Mm -hmm. and, you know, not taking time to, or not giving time to that is, is a problem. Or going to the gym. I mean, any of the, you know, surely they can come with you, but you could go on your own if they don't want to go as well. Right. And if your partner like is disapproving of those things, like that's, that's a sign, red flag. They don't want you to be well Mm -hmm. and hoping for change. I mean, if you're in a relationship that is toxic and you just are constantly hoping it's going to change, believing one day you're not in the right spot. 100%. It's going to be better. It's going to get better. I remember how nice they were when we first started dating. And I know that they'll be that way again, holding on to hope that they can be that way again because you knew them whenever they were good that first 10 minutes. Yeah, or always just kind of like being being that person that sees the potential in people and oh. just believing that that potential someday is going to surface. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't surface. Yeah, <laughs> while they still don't have a job in the 13th year. But mm-hmm. he's got a lot of potential. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and the last one on our list is walking on eggshells. Mm -hmm. So not being able or not feeling comfortable to just bring up problems, bring up issues, worrying about, you know, becoming a fight or a disagreement, it causing major tension when you do try to bring up, you know, any kind of issue, Mm -hmm. Um, just just avoiding conflict in general. Yeah. Waiting till you find out how they're going to feel before you know how you can feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, Just God. keeping things to yourself. Yeah. What kind of mood are they going to be in when I get home today? Are we going to have a good dinner? Right. Or are there going to be plates all over the floor? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think so this tough. is good. This is a good list. And I think if you heard yourself in these, good. You've got some, you, you've got some um, confirmation that you deserve more. Mm-hmm. You have uh, maybe a little bit of work to do but I think that's good news you know it's going to be painful for a while but you know I think we're so worth good relationships in our life and as someone who's spent lots of time in the wrong relationships I can tell you it's again there are lessons there are things that you take away good and bad but if you start seeing signs make some changes you Mm -hmm. know go to therapy do what you need to do to try to like improve the situation but if you don't see improvement get out like yeah it's okay it's okay to exit a relationship sometimes they have an expiration date and that is okay Life is too freaking short. I mean, really? How long do we have? How much, you know, I mean, I think Dr. Phil's the one who says, you know, a bad relationship for a year is bad, but what's worse is a year and a day. (laughs) You know, (laughs) as soon as it's it's ready to be over, it's over. Let it be over. Well, and something else I think is really important is that it doesn't have to be a huge fight to end something like sometimes you can just arrive at a place where you realize this does not work mm-hmm. this is not healthy this is toxic yeah. and you can choose to be a grown-up and make a decision and, and 
walk away from the relationship. You don't have to pick a fight. Mm -hmm. You don't have to wait till you catch them cheating. You don't have to do any of that. Yeah. Once you have arrived at the place where you realize like this isn't working, this is not for me long term, mm -hmm. then it is okay and it is important to exit at that point. Yeah. I was wanting something a little different. This yeah. isn't it. Yeah. yeah. So these are all like signs of, you know, potentially toxic relationships, unhealthy relationships. Yeah. And we're going to make this a two-parter. So part two is going to be all about tips for having a healthy relationship and kind of what that looks like. How do you how do you adjust some of these things or change some of these things? What are the deal breakers? Um, and just some examples of things to kind of help keep your relationship interesting and fun and spicy. Woo, spicy. Spice it up. I can't wait. As always, don't forget that knowledge leads to a life lived better. Thank you for listening to Life Lived Better with Paula and Joseph. 